Jennifer Lynn Olson, who later changed her last name to Servo, had grown up in Montana. In May 2002, Jennifer graduated from the University of Montana with a journalism degree. During college, she worked at two local television stations. The summer following her graduation, Jennifer attended Army Reserve training. She met a new man during that training, and they started dating. He was at least 12 years older than Jennifer, and he had previously been an Army Ranger. Jennifer's family members who met him didn't like him. And then, when Jennifer received a job offer in Abilene, Texas later that summer, she took it. It was a start. And this new man moved to Abilene with her. But shortly after moving in together in Texas, Jennifer broke up with him and asked him to move out. He did move out, but he stayed in Abilene, and he got his own apartment. Jennifer made several friends at her new job, too. She may have started dating one of them. And then, after exactly two months of living in Abilene, Jennifer was murdered in her own apartment. There was no forced entry. So was it someone Jennifer knew? Police have said they think so. The Abilene police investigated leads into Jennifer's case as recently as February of last year. What were those leads? I'll be honest, I don't know. But there are leads out there. Now I'm sure you're all wondering, what else has happened over all these years and why, when there was DNA evidence, her murder still hasn't been solved? Well, so was I. This Saturday, September 16th, 2017, will mark 15 years since Jennifer was murdered. 15 years of suffering for her family and friends. 15 birthdays without Jennifer. 15 Christmases without her. And 15 years of undeserved freedom for a killer. At 22 years old, with her entire life and career ahead of her, Jennifer returned home after midnight in the early morning hours of Monday morning, September 16th. She had worked the evening news just hours before and then run some errands with a colleague, picking up a coffee table for her new apartment from a friend and making a stop at Walmart. After returning safely to her apartment, Jennifer had about an hour-long telephone conversation. Sometime after that, Jennifer was struck more than once with a blunt object, strangled, and sexually assaulted in her own apartment. Her 23rd birthday was exactly one week away. At least one detective has said publicly that he believes it was likely someone Jennifer knew. There is DNA evidence in this case. I believe at least six people had their DNA taken by police for comparison. We only know who two of those people are so far. It would seem logical that one of them was the ex-boyfriend whom Jennifer kicked out of her apartment just weeks before her murder. He's been named by police as a, quote, listed suspect, unquote. The other, logic says, may be her colleague that she ran errands with just a few short hours before her murder. He actually admitted at the time that police considered him a suspect. He was also the last known person to see Jennifer alive, although remember, she did have that hour-long phone call after returning to her own apartment early Monday morning. But there are also other avenues we're going to explore because we're starting over at the beginning. Right now, we're not ruling anything out. So we're going to look at the people Jennifer knew, 
but we're also going to look at other possibilities that the police seem to have ruled out. Why? Because 15 years later, we're still asking the same questions that everyone was asking on the morning that Jennifer was found. I'm frustrated that her case hasn't been solved, but imagine for a moment how Jennifer's family must feel. It's not that I think the police did a bad job. On the contrary, I think the police did the best they could with the evidence they had. There just wasn't enough forensic evidence. Rather, there wasn't the right forensic evidence. So what does Jennifer's case need? It's simple. It needs a tip. This is the first, but surely not the last time that I will call on all of you. You who share a collective consciousness with me on this subject. You who care about justice. You, my friends. Spread Jennifer's story to as many people as you can. And rest assured that any information discovered by me or provided to me will be forwarded to the police. Nearly 15 years have passed since Jennifer's murder. A lot can happen in 15 years. People grow up. They have kids of their own. Their perspectives change. They end relationships and friendships. And they start new relationships and new friendships. Sometimes people just drift apart. Sometimes people who are scared are no longer around the people they were scared of. And sometimes people just don't realize how important the information they possess really is. So I'm not saying we can solve this. I don't know if we can, but I know we can try. I believe this case is solvable if we can just get the word out to the right person. And speaking of the right person, I believe that it's possible that two people, other than the killer, know who murdered Jennifer. I want to find those two people, and you can help me. We're going to talk about several different suspects and theories as we go along. And I want you to try not to jump to any conclusions because we have a long way to go in our search for justice. So those are the very basics. What else do you need to know about Jennifer? A lot, but that's okay because I happen to have the time to tell you. So we all know Jennifer was murdered and we know that her killer is out there somewhere. So where do we start? Well, when I was researching this case, one of the things that concerned me is that there was relatively little information about Jennifer's case in the news media, on message boards, etc. After 2003 or so, there would be an article or two around the date of her murder, and then nothing again. I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that there were a couple of new police leads last year, in February 2016. And then once again, no more news coverage. I wanted to know what was going on with the case now, but unfortunately, I think the answer is nothing. As I mentioned earlier, Jennifer's case needs new evidence or a tip called in containing new information. Again, this is where all of us come in. Many of you know that by spreading the word about Jennifer's case, it increases the chance that we'll actually reach the people we need to reach, whoever they are and wherever they are. The other thing that concerned me initially was the number of inconsistencies in the different news stories. As I was doing my preliminary research into Jennifer's case, I was watching videos about her and reading every article I could get my hands on, but I only got more and more confused. I'd read one article that said one thing and then another article that said nearly the opposite. For instance, 
Jennifer and her colleague had left to run errands from work the evening before. So were they each driving their own cars during those errands? Or was Jennifer driving him around that night? What time did Jennifer leave this colleague's apartment on the night before slash early morning that she was murdered? Was she or wasn't she dating that same colleague at the time of her murder? Had Jennifer and her ex-boyfriend really mutually decided to move to Abilene together? Or had Jennifer intended to use her move to Abilene as a convenient way to break off that relationship? When exactly had Jennifer kicked that same ex-boyfriend out of her apartment? Was the coffee table Jennifer and her colleague picked up from a friend the night before still in her car when she was found? There are many more examples of conflicting information reported in Jennifer's case. And at that point, I didn't really know what to think. So I said to myself, I guess I'll just need to talk to the people involved. All of them. Or at least as many of them as I can find. Now clearly, some of these pieces of information are more important to the investigation than others. And some are really easy to clear up. But with others, I'm still trying to sort out what's true and what's not. And how can we have any hope of solving this mystery unless we really understand what is fact and what is fiction? So we're going to try to wade through these and many more questions on this podcast. We need to know the real story if we're going to try to figure this out. I'm going to interview the people who are actually there as different parts of this tragedy unfolded. The people who knew Jennifer and Abilene, her friends from back in Montana, the people who knew what Jennifer was really like, what her habits were, whether she would have opened the door of her apartment to a stranger at night. We're going to try to sort out the truth, and we're going to try to use that truth to find the answer to who murdered Jennifer. As you'll come to know, Jennifer was a well-rounded young woman. In school, she played the flute, and she played sports. She had after-school jobs, and she was a cheerleader. She loved sailing, skiing, and she loved cats. As you know, she was a college graduate, an on-air TV reporter, an aunt, a sister, a daughter. At 17 years old, Jennifer had joined the Army Reserves to help pay for her college education. As a result of her time in the reserves, Jennifer could shoot a machine gun, and she knew how to throw grenades. She was also poised and professional in her career as a TV reporter for KRBC9. That's the kind of person she was. Strong, determined, responsible. And I still have so much more to tell you about her. And then, as you all know by now, when she was 22 years old, this amazing person became a murder victim. So welcome to Justice Delayed, the unsolved homicide of Jennifer Olson Servo. I'm Sharon Newman Edwards, your host, and you're listening to episode one, our introductory episode. So let me introduce you to Jennifer. Now I know a lot of you don't know very much about this case yet, and that's okay. That's one of the reasons I chose it. It's underrepresented in the news, on TV, on the internet, everywhere. But we're about to change that. So who is Jennifer? You're going to learn a lot more about her as we go forward. And I can't wait to tell you about her. So as this awful anniversary of Jennifer's murder approaches, 
Let's start getting the word out again. Start today. Post about Jennifer. Share the podcast promos and the first few episodes as they come out. Invite your friends and family to join our discussion group on Facebook. Post on Instagram or Twitter and use the hashtag Jennifer Servo or solve Jennifer Servo's murder. Make your fellow humans aware that Jennifer and her family need justice. So why am I doing this? While this show is not at all about me, I want you all to know a little bit about why I chose to do a podcast and why I chose this case in particular. This is one of the few times you'll hear much about me on this podcast, except to relate interesting or relevant experiences related to my investigation of Jennifer's case. I'm doing this because this is me at my core. This is who I've always been. I've just found a new and productive outlet for it. I'm also doing it because I have a voice, and I finally realized that. I know that you too have a voice. We all have a voice, and together, we have a collective voice with more power, more influence, more reach than any of us alone. Let's use that collective voice to try to do something big. I'm like you. I'm just a person who's tired of feeling helpless and who decided to do something about it. And you can be too. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a private investigator. I'm just a person, a paralegal once upon a time, who's kept up at night by the horrors of this world. I watch Dateline and 48 Hours and specials on Netflix like a lot of you, and the cases stick with me, especially the unsolved ones. So one day I decided to stop just worrying about these families and try to do something to actually help. But what could I do to help? As I'd lay in bed at night thinking about all these different unsolved murders, I often found myself thinking, all this case, and this case, and that case too, needs is the right tip, or a couple of tips, that unbeknownst to the tipsters, end up fitting together and solving the crime. But how do I reach those people? How could I ever get the word out to the right people that they have information that could change the lives of some of these grieving family members? How do I let them know that the information they have still matters? Matters more than they can even imagine, at least to one family. Because I'll be honest, I don't know that many people. I mean, I've lived a lot of different places and I've traveled a lot my whole life. But in the big scheme of things, I don't know that many people. So I thought to myself, these cases need publicity. They need to be back on people's minds and in people's everyday conversations. That's how we get the word out. This is our call to action. That's how these cases might finally be solved, specifically this case, the case of Jennifer Olson Servo. I don't know what makes me think I can make a real difference in this case. It's not that I'm arrogant. It's that I don't want to stand idly by any longer without trying to do something. It's because there is no longer any other option for me but to get involved. I care deeply about people who are suffering. The injustices in this world make me angry. And now I'm ready to do what I've always wanted to do on some level or another, although I didn't always picture it in the form of a podcast. I feel like I'm finally where I'm supposed to be, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I can no longer sit on the sidelines waiting, hoping that someone else will do something. Because you know what? I am someone else, and so are you, and you, and you. 
This is our show. We've all heard them say that two heads are better than one. But I say 100 heads, 1,000 heads are better than one. So come along with me on my sometimes brave, definitely challenging, but mostly heartbreaking investigation into Jennifer's murder. Brainstorm with me, help me think of new productive avenues to pursue this case, and watch as I do the investigation you'd want to see if you were running it, because you are. Let's give her family a chance at some peace for the first time in 15 years. So why are we doing this? Because maybe, just maybe, we'll succeed. I can't promise you that we'll solve this case, but I can promise you that it's going to get interesting. And I think you'll be glad you came along with me on my search for Jennifer's murderer. If you were even a peripheral part of this story and you want your part of the story told, contact me even if you think it's insignificant. Every piece of information helps, especially in a case that's remained unsolved as long as this one has. If you know someone who is part of this case, let them know about the podcast and encourage them to contact me and tell their story. You can call my dedicated voicemail line at 210-836-8680, or you can contact me any of the other ways listed at the end of this episode. If you have a tip about this case, contact the Abilene Police Department at 325-673-8331 or Crime Stoppers at 325-676-TIPS. That's T-I-P-S. Again, that's 325-676-8477. Or if you're uncomfortable contacting either of those agencies, contact me and I'll help get your information to the right people. On season one of Justice Delayed, come along with me as I tell you about my first day in the field in Abilene. It turns out there's a steep learning curve, people. Among the lessons I learned, one, bikers don't like to be spied on. Two, you can almost get arrested without realizing that you're doing anything wrong. And three, sometimes detectives don't like it when you call their case a cold case. We'll do timed drives, I'll answer your questions if they're not too suey. I'd really like to keep my house. And my delivery will get much more conversational as time goes on. So bear with me. Remember, if you know something about Jennifer's case, or if you just think you do, contact me. I will get back to you. It can be anonymous if it needs to be. Participate in the brainstorming on my Facebook discussion group or through my dedicated voicemail line. Send me suggestions for leads to pursue or just follow along as I try not to get into too much trouble in my pursuit of justice. All of this only on Justice Delayed Podcast. Right now you'll find us on iTunes and Stitcher. More platforms will be added soon. If you have a favorite place to listen to your podcasts, let me know and I'll put it at the top of our list. The next episode drops on Thursday, September 21st. So join me for my ongoing investigation into Jennifer's murder. So here we are, nearly at the end of episode one of Justice Delayed, season one, The Unsolved Homicide of Jennifer Olson Servo. It was a little different than our regular episodes will be, and probably shorter than our upcoming episodes. But give me feedback anyway. Be kind, but be honest. We'll find the groove that's right for us as a group. Remember, this is our show. If you liked this episode, go over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. If not, I encourage you to wait until we find our rhythm. 
Once I figure out how to locate the five-star reviews, I'll give you a shout-out on the following Thursday's episode. Be sure to subscribe to our feed if you haven't already, so you'll get our latest episodes as soon as they drop. And write a review, too, but only if you like us a lot. And join me on Thursday for more about the unsolved homicide of Jennifer Olson Servo. For more details about the case and upcoming episodes, join my Justice Delayed podcast discussion group on Facebook and visit our website at justicedelayedpod.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Justice Delayed P. That's Justice Delayed, followed by the letter P as in podcast, and on Instagram at Justice Delayed Pod. Don't forget to add the hashtag Jennifer Servo or hashtag solve Jennifer Servo's murder. Email me with questions and ideas about additional avenues of investigation at Sharon at JusticeDelayedPod.com. Justice Delayed is a podcast with a purpose, and I encourage you to go out and live your purpose. One last thought today on our very first episode of Justice Delayed. I know many of you out there are suffering. You're either living through the aftermath of Hurricane Irma right now, or you went through Hurricane Harvey a few weeks ago, or you're suffering from the fallout of the terrible wildfires in Montana or L.A. My heart goes out to all of you. Jennifer's immediate family is in Montana. None of them are in harm's way so far, but they can see the smoke, and some of them have ash in the air they're breathing. There have been air quality alerts and warnings for children and the elderly to stay inside. There is a lot of suffering in the United States right now, and there is suffering all over the world right now. Floods, earthquakes, famine. I could name so many others, but you get the idea. I have family who were in the direct path of Hurricane Irma last Sunday. I have family and friends in Houston who are suffering as they work to recover from Hurricane Harvey. I have family in LA who've been affected by the fires there. And we all have family in Montana now, Jennifer's family. So pray if you believe in prayer, and if not, send good thoughts and vibes their way. We are one planet. Let's set an example of love, kindness, and compassion. Justice Delayed is a Numanity LLC production. I want to say thank you to Jennifer's family for being so helpful and cooperative, even though it isn't easy to relive this kind of pain. All music for this episode is provided by Lee Rosefear. You can find him at happypeppyrecords.ca. Our logo was created by Caitlin Spencer. My editor, web designer, and all-around tech expert is none other than my husband, David Edwards. Remember to send in any leads you think I should pursue or any questions you have about the case. This is Sharon, and I'll be back.